So I tell you what, it's one of them. It's one of them things that a girl goes through. Although, although, just to add insult to injury, I can't seem to actually build. Oh, jeez, now it just disappeared. I can't seem to actually build a right click it. So, and now I clicked on a menu that existed for a plasma I deleted, and now the whole interface is locked up. Well, shit. I had so many nice things to say, and now my whole UI is locked up, and I got like a bajillion tabs open. I don't want to reset all those up. And I'm, oh man. Uh, and then I watched Weird. the icon. Little, I, I, what? What? What just happened? What just happened? I think Plasma Desktop is just going crazy on me. My screen just went blank. Uh-huh. Too many features. Something. Damn, man, that sucks. You know, every time I get to a point where I'm like, this is it. And then, then something happens to me in production. I'm like, oh, shit, I can't use this. This is no good. This is no good. And you know, what's really, what really sucks is now I think I'm getting to the point where I'm going to have to restart X, which could screw up HDMI capture, which could mess up the stream, and is going to close all my tabs, which Chrome will likely reopen, but I had things played and paused in certain positions. I had certain pages zoomed in. Like, I took about 15 minutes setting all that up. So I'm going to lose about 15 minutes of work, and I may lose HDMI capture. Well, slow down. Before you do that, there I tell is you what, a way to restart only Plasma 5. There is a ah. – yeah, well, if if it could take input. But, well, maybe I could try uh, – Alt F2. Hit Alt F2 and yeah. it will always work. Uh, and okay. I just okay. got to get you the command. Okay, give it to me. I tell you what. This is no good. This no is good no good. No good. Because it always happens to me when I'm messing around with plasmoids. That's always oh, when it happens. It's just I unstable. do like that word though. I don't even know if I'm saying them right. They're just plasma widgets. Uh, all right. So there is a command to restart Plasma 5. Yes. Yes. I'm just grabbing it. Dunk, 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 dunk. Whoa, 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 whoa. Look at that. There's Chrome. So apparently, the whoa, I'm using a totally different task switcher all of a sudden. Look at that. It's the one on the side. <laughs> wow. So there's all my tabs. You can see I'm going to lose. Uh, you can see I have all that nicely set up. And I have certain... oh, you shouldn't, didn't lose these. That's a good thing. Yes, I, I'm just opening up the okay, sh- I have a right. shell script. That's why I was It seems like, it. Is there, like if I just type restart, restart the computer. Nope. Look That's at that. not the one. Wow, this okay. thing indexes like a son of a bitch, man. It's pulling out, it's pulling out notes for I'd have from clients from like years back in my text. Yeah, okay, I'm ready. I'm gonna put it in IRC. Okay. 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 Dunka, 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 dunka. All right, so let's see. Let's wait for it to come up in IRC. Okay, so I got I gotta kill two. Com- I gotta run two commands. Oh. Yes. Oh. Okay. I know. All right, so P so P kill F plasma shell, but that sounds dirty, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, dude. And then, all right, so here I'll I'll pull it up on screen so you guys can see what happens. So I'm gonna uh, put that in there. P uh, P kill dash F plasma shell. Okay, ran that, and then now I gotta now so nothing happened, but it's probably fine. Alt F two. Okay, Alt F two, and then I have to do what? K okay, start. K start. Plasma shell dash dash shut up. Yeah, I know that that's stupid. I love but that. It. Just so means rude. don't spit out all kinds of debug code. I love it. I love it. Tell me, shut up. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now I have. I think I have my desktop now. Look at isn't this weird? These plasmoids showed up on here that I wasn't using before, mm. and they're blank. That's weird. Yeah, it is. But I have yeah. my I have my Dropbox icon down in the system tray. Hey, yeah, there you go. So thank you, sir. I know. Yeah, no problem. I have that in a shell and use your local bin. And every once in a while, Plasma will just freak right out. So now all those widgets just disappeared when I opened up the drawer. Isn't that weird? That's very strange. I'm glad you guys are seeing this. It's not just me. We would never believe you otherwise. My CPU monitor is back, which I thought was gone the last time I logged in. I'm going to stop playing with the Plasmoids. It and Dropbox icon were hanging out. Yeah. Well, thank you for helping me fix that. It's nice to not have to lose work. 
I like I like being able to uh, recover on the fly. It feels very like Hollywood. Yeah, right. You know, like reroute Ooh, the primary operating hold it system. Out. Hold it out, guys. Yeah. You know, like uh, I remember I was watching 24 one time and uh, Jack Bauer asked Chloe to rewrite to reroute the primary operating system or something like that. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds cool. I don't think they think that is anything. Um, yeah. You know, the thing I used to love from 24 was when he'd say, send it to my screen. Yes. And they'd just like grab hold of a window and throw it across the room. Yeah. I love it. I want that. I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> well, actually, there was a package. Uh, we used to take the piss out of a friend of mine because he was the Debian maintainer for a package called XMove. And XMove is a program that can do that and has been around for years and years and years. But I think it's broken now. But yeah, you could do that. You could send a, an X program from one screen to another. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 137, for March 22nd, 2016. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's celebrating William Shatner's birthday and has a few surprises up its sleeve, like a huge box. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Did you like that, Wes? Oh, yeah. I was getting into that one. I was riding the jankies on that one. So coming up on this week's episode, huge show, big show, unbelievable show. Get out of here. We're going to have to charge you. It's so big. NVIDIA claims they have Wayland working on their current driver, but that might be a little bit presumptuous. We'll tell you why. Later on in the show, major, major plans, including a big Linux build coming up for Jupiter Broadcasting right around Linux Fest Northwest. What? We're going to tell you about a couple of secret projects that are in the works, some big plans around Linux Fest Northwest, and I'm going to get psyched up about Noah's switching campaign. Then later on in the show, happy birthday, KD. Well, is it their birthday? What do you call it when they have a release? Because they do it more frequently than every nine months. Yeah, that's true. Happy release day? Yeah, that, doesn't do sound, that doesn't jazz it up for me enough. Happy, well, we'll come up with something later on in the show because we're going to talk about Plasma Desktop 5.6. Been running it for a few days. It released today. Going to do a little bit of follow-up. Some people asked some questions since we talked about a Linux Action Show. We're going to do some follow-up on those questions. Wes, you've been running right here on this rig. Yep. You're going to share your thoughts on it. So we'll discuss that. Also get the Mumble Room's take on it. We've got a few KD users in there. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to do a live throwdown of two open-source Google Hangouts killers that look like they're better quality, more control, and use WebRTC and are private and safe and peer-to-peer in the background. So pretty cool show. And obviously work on Linux. I guess that's kind of a given, too. And that's just like the stuff we're going to do after all of the updates we have to get into from all the projects we follow and stuff that's broken since the Linux Action Show. Huge show, Wes. And Let's get started. I was worried that we were going to have a bad show today. I, I got on the air before you got here. And I was like, we are screwed. And I why are you telling everyone our secrets, Chris? So I, you know, so those of you who don't know, uh, there's a Wes has been bringing in great brewskis for us to try during the show. And I thought, well, today won't be the day. He's got to go get a burger. Rikai talked him into getting a burger for him, and I was like, so he's not going to have time. To I mean, get a for the good of the network, really. Right. Well, there's a burger currency within the network, and you can buy favors with people by buying them burgers. So you you've essentially put a burger in your bank. So. That's not a bad move overall, strategically, for you down the road. I agree. But I was worried we wouldn't have any beers. And no beers would be a bad show. It's not because we need the alcohol. It's because it's like, you know how certain athletes have certain routines they have to follow? Absolutely. Uh, Wear the same underwear, that kind of thing. Well, of course, we're doing that, too. But on top of that, we like to have one beer with the show. And this week, Wes brought in something really kind of uh, eclectic. And it's ecliptic. It's ecliptic brewing, and I got the Orbiter IPA, and you got Phobos, a single hop red ale. Damn, 
Damn. So those will be the brewskis we're drinking on today's show if you want to drink along with us. And maybe, just maybe, some folks in our mumble room will be. Time appropriate greetings, mumble room. Those beautiful voices. That's on fire. I love it. You guys are fired up, ready to go. Okay, so you probably heard the news. Uh, It broke uh, on the 21st. NVIDIA has published patches for its driver to work with Wayland's Weston, you know, essentially the the, uh, reference compositor. And uh, they've made a few tweaks in there, and they're pretty happy. They say that this uh, this set of patches will allow the Wayland Weston compositor to run with NVIDIA's new 364 Linux driver series. It's a big deal. Big deal. Wayland support. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. March 22nd, 2016, NVIDIA ships Wayland support. This gets real. Yeah, it felt like a moment for me. However, not to be a buzzkill, but uh, Martin, the KWIN maintainer, posted on uh, Google Plus that one does not simply run Wayland on Wayland uh, Compositor with NVIDIA's new driver. It turns out that uh, NVIDIA is using EGL streams instead of GBM streams. Okay, what's that mean? It means that there is code that still is pending in Wayland to make Wayland work better with EGL. And so really it's coming to Wayland to support EGL and the, and the things that it needs for NVIDIA's driver changes. But NVIDIA's patches essentially accommodate for a Wayland that's just a little bit down the road, not actually fully shipping just yet from what I'm grokking from this Google Plus thread. So while, yes, NVIDIA gets the headline of shipping Wayland support today, <laughs> it's they're, not act- quite. they're shipping support really for Wayland of tomorrow. <laughs> Jeez. I suppose that's better than being behind. Totally. Totally is better than being behind. And I think – I don't know much, but I suspect that's probably a better arrangement for, for mobile too, I suspect. There you go. And I, mirror support might have been in there too. I don't know. I didn't see Looks like people got Plymouth working a lot better now. Yeah, that's yeah. That's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, in between shows, bit of a controversy. And if anybody in the mumble room has anything they want to say while we're talking about this story, feel free to speak up. Just tag me in the chat room with mum and uh, say what you want and I'll, I'll keep an eye out. But uh, why don't I, I stop covering these uh, these uh, hardware these hardware server updates from the uh, from the guys over at Valve because you know you don't really ever know how how reliable it is you don't really know like what triggers it and you can't really compare it to without knowing all of the details yep. but that doesn't stop the press from running stories that Linux gaming is shrinking since the launch of why Steam. do we hate games so much yeah Linux users hate spending money Linux users hate playing video games and Linux gaming is doomed. That was the narrative last week. This week, however, uh, thanks to Liam over at Linux Gaming, the article has been reversed over at PC World. In fact, the author of the Linux is Dying, Chris Hoffman, has now written a piece saying the Linux gaming is actually much healthier than Steam's hardware survey implies. There's actually more Linux gamers than ever before. That's great. That is great. Now, here's kind of the, the basic things you have to understand when people are talking about that Steam hardware sur- survey and the, the percentage of Linux users. Well, first of all, do you know do you know what triggers that hardware survey? I do not. I'm not completely clear either. Um, but I do understand that a hardware change does and an OS change can sometimes. And I guess from my understanding is it seems to happen a lot more under Windows than it does under Linux, like maybe driver changes or video card changes. I have only gotten the Steam hardware survey once under Linux. Yeah, me too. I have gotten it under Windows a couple of times. And what's crazy about that is I've probably ran Windows three times, four times, you know, at least in a Steam capacity uh, in as many years. So the fact that I have actually gotten You're running Linux every day. Yeah. And and on some of my machines, Steam auto starts. So it's weird that I haven't gotten the hardware survey under Linux, but I have gotten it under Windows. We don't know anything about the sampling rates or any, yeah. Uh, So here's uh, the obvious caveat, though, that's really the elephant in the room. 
Steam's user base is constantly growing. So while the Linux usage on the Steam hardware survey has declined from about 2% in March of 2013 to 0.91% in February 2015, that's because it's just a smaller percentage from a larger overall user base. In October 2013, Valve announced there were over 65 million Steam users around the world. In February of 2015, so that was October 2013, 65 million. In February 2015, Valve announced there were over 125 million active users worldwide. Whoa. They doubled in less than a year. That's so impressive. It, yeah. Uh, so it, it look, it looks, you look, you're looking at percentages here. In October 2013, you had 0.98% of Linux users. That's about 637,000 Linux users. In February 2015, 0.91% would be 1.2 million Linux gamers. So we've gone up to 1.2 million Linux gamers. Here's the other thing that's kind of crazy. Valve's Steam hardware survey doesn't include SteamOS. What? And doesn't include machines in big picture mode. Oh. So if you've built your own SteamOS box and use big picture mode, or if you like that UI better and you use that under Linux, or you're using SteamOS, you're not getting counted towards Linux. So that's another reason why the numbers are a little low, which is a little funky. And Valve doesn't really publish much. Go ahead. I guess people just uh, that were using Linux um, to play Steam now use SteamOS. A lot of people did the experiment and like. And, and Kitson, you wanted to point something out too that actually is kind of common for Linux gamers. Uh, yeah, one of the things that I find that I have to do to play the games that I want, I have to run it in Wine. And I don't know if Steam has a way of counting users that are running in Wine and saying, hey, this is not actually a Windows user. This is a Linux user running it at Wine, and that's a very important detail. Yeah, Wine users get counted as Windows users. Uh, Valve mentioned that before. And the Linux uh, Gaming on Linux community has mentioned that this ar- the hardware survey seems to pop up more under Wine because to Steam it looks like your OS or hardware is changing sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, that can be a thing. Any other thoughts on the uh, SteamOS stuff? I mean, I guess I wanted to just – my point in bringing this up on the show today was to sort of put a little anti-spin on the whole Linux gaming is dying. It's actually grown from 700,000 to 1.2 million uh, in the last year. That's a pretty big deal. It's like one of those things kind of like with political like polls political where yeah. a lot of the reporting spins how you think about it. Go ahead, Rodden. Yeah, I only ever use Linux for gaming anyway, and I've never seen – uh, I've never seen a, a single hardware survey on Linux for my for my usage in six years. Yeah, I've wow. seen it once, I think. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just different stats and stuff like that. Okay, so this is the story that people brought up right before we started the show. They said, "You got to talk about this today. You got to talk about Ubuntu BSD Unix for human beings." Uh, today, uh, they write, "We have the great pleasure, in their opinion, of introducing you to a new project that saw the light." of the internet for the first time this past week on March 12, 2016, meet Ubuntu BSD. Ubuntu BSD promises to bring the power of FreeBSD kernel to Ubuntu Linux. Uh, it is based on FreeBSD 10.1 and Ubuntu 15.10 right now. And, of course, it's one of its uh, highlight Cadillac features is it's using the FreeBSD kernel. Ergo, you get the famous ZFS combined with, of course, things like uh, the port system and I would imagine Ubuntu's user land. Uh, Ubuntu BSD is currently hosted on SourceForge, and it's got an ISO you could download. We have linked in the show notes. And the code name for this release is Escape from Systemd. But Systemd is misspelled. You're right. It is. 
I mean, you wouldn't expect the BSD crowd to know that. It's a little bit of a Linux nuance, I agree. Yeah, you'd think if you're actually – so as the register points out, one of the genesis of this distribution was to break away from uh, – to be a savior from FreeBSD. I'm sorry, from SystemD. The SystemD argument was, you know, remember, remember how hot that was? Remember how what a big deal that was? Oh, yeah. That was one of the reasons they created this, was to save the world from SystemD. So you'd think if they're creating a project to save the world from SystemD, you'd likely – Look into it a little. Probably know how to write it. It's in, that maybe is an interesting it, maybe observation. They maybe what? they did it deliberately yeah. because oh. they clearly don't like SystemD. Spit right in the face. <laughs> why they've created With this. a big D. Yeah, they did yeah. do it with a big right. D. So. <laughs> Well, why guys. in 2016 do you host a project on SourceForge? That was why I, 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 I did specifically mention that, just to see if anybody would catch that. Uh, I, Poby, I'm dying to know what you think of uh, Ubuntu uh, BSD. Uh, is there going to be a, a trademark issue here, do you think? Uh, so I, I saw that on the uh, the thread was on the Debian BSD mailing list where it was first discussed, and that's where it first came to um, my knowledge. Um, and uh, I think I, I, I've read all the mails in the thread, and some of the the guy uh, John Bowden, who created it, uh, was asked when there be a trademark issue, and I think definitely avoided that question or didn't see it or whatever for the benefit of the doubt. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's a community project, um, so much like Ubuntu Mate, um, it probably should be called something like Ubuntu BSD Remix or something like that, which would, you know, fulfil the. Uh, the naming conventions we use now, but right. um, no, I don't see that there's going to be you a know, massive deal about it. I uh, I wonder what your thoughts are just on the concept a little bit. I think it's interesting, and I think it actually is a good thing because it highlights how people can take what we've done in the Ubuntu project and remix it and change it and make it to, to what they want. You know, if if someone wants, if if there's a, a demand for this, if there are a bunch of users out there who feel that there is a need that's serviced by this to have Ubuntu user land and all those, the lovely big package repository that we've got, plus the BSD kernel, then knock yourselves out, go for it. Mm-hmm. I, personally speaking, I think it's a great idea, and I think it's, it's a very positive thing. I think what initially turned me off about it was the uh, sort of overreaction to SystemD. Yeah. And I'm not in the trenches, so I don't really know if it's been... I, I have heard from some admins that say, yeah, our life is a little more hell now because of SystemD. And I've heard other guys say that... Uh, my life is a lot easier now because of systemd. So I'm I'm really I don't have a clear picture of it, but it seems like it, it seems like a lot of the uh, naysaying, the gloom and doom, really hasn't occurred. I mean, things really have just kind of gone along as they always have now. Yep. I mean, I think we'll still see. You know, this April yeah. will be a big deployment for systemd machines. Yeah. in that space. But yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, so yeah, go ahead. They're using XFCE for this, right? Yes. Why not just use FreeBSD with XFCE using like PackageNG? Yeah, you could. That's my question. You could. Like, yeah. Why even bother with this? I wonder if this would help with the like, some of uh, the like Linux emulation stuff. Like, this would be a better way for some of the stuff I that doubt it. was trying to do. Because you're still using the BSD no. kernel, so you'd have to be able you're to. Still em- compiling things for the FreeBSD toolchain anyway, so it's True. not even like it's the same toolchain or something. Yeah. Well, there is it. There is one reason you would do it. Uh, it has the word Ubuntu in it. There you go. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. Hey, everybody. It's got Ubuntu in it, so it must be good. Uh, interesting project, and uh, I kind of will, I think, would be interested in checking in on it and say, I don't know, six months and see where they're at. Maybe see if they base it on 1604. It depends on, too, like, it's always weird when there's something like, it's just like a SourceForge release and some mailing list stuff. It doesn't feel as much like a project that 
I will want to check up on mm-hmm. if it doesn't have like an actual infrastructure or a page mm-hmm. where you get like real mm-hmm. communication from the creator. It basically you, need to get you, a- you project snob. There are lots <laughs> of uh, there are lots of little projects out there that use whatever hosting they can use, well, wherever definitely. it might be. Just because it doesn't have a um, uh, you know a fantastic Twitter page and uh, you know discourse, and it does have a Twitter page actually. Things. Right, yeah, but I mean, like a wonderfully beautiful one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I just mean I'm not going to use it in my infrastructure until I know there's more than one package, uh, you know, Dude, repo it's three for days it. old. Of course, you're not going to use yeah. it in your infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I think if it grew a bit and got a community around, it'd be worth checking out. I don't think you have to wait till it's like PCBSD size. No, um, which is kind of interesting because PCBSD has grown quite a bit. Uh, so Ubuntu BSD at Ubuntu BSD, and it's followed by Popey. So look at that. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well. I, was, I was following it when it only had 11 followers. So, wow. You know, look at you. Now, I, now I'm following it when it has 338 followers. So yeah. I like it. So, uh, passe now. Three yeah. days old. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, Kitson, I wanted to give you the final word on it before we uh, move on. Yeah, uh, they said, I believe it was William that said, oh, it's Ubuntu and that's why they're doing it and that's why somebody would use it. I also think that the familiarity with the base OS would also be a big push as well because it is Ubuntu, not necessarily the name, but a lot of people know how to admin Ubuntu mm. that would like to use some of those lower level features in BSD. Yeah. And that's just a good way of, you know, getting it out there. But a, a lot of the stuff that's in Ubuntu now... It's not going to be admitting Ubuntu because you don't have SystemD, which Ubuntu will, and you definitely don't have Upstart, which Ubuntu would have had in the past. Yeah. And, and you're using and, CFS instead of a traditional file system on Linux. Yeah. You're not going to get... You're, there's a lot of things you don't get. There's a lot of mm-hmm. things you're not going to get. You're not going to get Docker or containers. You'll get jails, which is fine. Um, it does feel like a kind of hybrid bastard child of two projects, or like three or four projects, really, doesn't it? Yeah, and I I'm, I wonder too what happens when uh, when FreeBSD finally gets around to developing their system D. You know it's going to happen, and then where are all those guys going to go? Where, where everybody that needs a refuge from that? Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Gentoo, they FreeBSD, Lumos. Dev- no, this is just a Dev1 uh, version of uh, BSD. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I know. I know. I just tease a little bit. Yeah, I tease. Uh, Interesting discussion, though, and uh, a project probably worth some of you uh, keeping your eyes on. So if you end up trying out Ubuntu BSD, I welcome you to uh, let us know. Let us let us know. Comment in the uh, in the Reddit thread or uh, even better. You could join us in the mumble room in a future edition of the Unplugged show. Hmm. Ubuntu BSD. You know, Wes, uh, my problem is I got a lot going on these next few weeks. Linux Fest Northwest yeah, yeah. is getting crazy. Angela and I had like a little uh, you know, meeting t- this morning uh, right after Tech Talk, and we were just going down the list constantly. Okay, we got to think about this. We got to take care of this. We got to work on this. We got to make sure this is ready. It is nuts. And part of it is because like we have very few opportunities where so many of the crew are in one spot. Right. And uh, because we all are fairly technically savvy, you can really pull off some cool projects. So, like, there's not only is there, like, the, the, the Linux Fest stuff and the organization of getting everybody in here and getting this place ready to, like, bring a bunch of people in and then figuring out, like, a whole bunch of accommodations for Linux Fest Northwest and the booth and the technology to make that all happen and the scheduling and coordinating needs to happen with the Linux Fest people. But on top of all of that... We're going to pull off a really cool project, something that will change JB and bring way more Linux into this area right here. You're looking at over there where there's that what? Wirecast machine. 
It's gross. I I just don't look over oh, there now. Don't look at it, Wes. Super excited. I might be ba- biting off more than I can chew, and I I pain to tell you how many Bitcoin it has cost me. But first, before we get into this new project, the new secret project, I want to tell you about Ting. Yes, Ting. Ting is my mobile service provider, and it's mobile that makes sense. Minutes, messages, megabytes, and $6 a month for the line. That's all you pay. No secret crazy plans. No dumb rollover gimmicks. It's just you pay for what you use for minutes, messages, and megabytes, and a flat $6 for the line. They have fanatical customer service. They have GSM and CDMA networks. So you can get probably at least a high probability that your device will be compatible with Ting, which means you'll get a $25 service credit. Average Ting monthly line is $24, so your first month will be more than paid for. If you're in a contract right now, they have early termination reliefs. Oh, guess what? No contracts and no early termination fees. Yeah, yeah. Ting. That's right. Phones are unlocked. You own them outright, Wes. You own that phone outright. And they have the best control panel in the business. As uh, we get ready to go pick up ham radio for Linux Fest Northwest, I'll be bringing my Ting hotspot. I just turn it off when I'm not on the road. It doesn't cost me a dollar. It's great. Boop, turn it on. And I just, for that road trip, I use that hotspot. Okay, so what's it going to cost me? Because, you know, just you're paying for my, I'm paying for my usage. So I go from not paying anything to like 35 45 bucks for one month. That averages out pretty nicely. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and then, you know, I do that every couple of months. It exactly. works so smooth, and their control panel lets me turn it on and off. I invite you to go check it out. They also have a great blog, but first go to linux.ting.com. Uh, they have their app picks up on their blog. They have great, great 4K online uh, hints if you have a uh, if you have a 4K television and want to do online streaming or a cord cutter and want to watch 4K. They got a great blog post on that. They have information on Fiber Internet, I mean, it's a great company, backed by two cows who've been around for a long time. Linux.ting.com. Go there, support this show, visiting that, visiting that page, letting them know you heard about it here, supports the show. Try out their savings calculator, see if it's worth your money, read their blog, get to know more about the company, see why I like them so much. Linux.ting.com. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged program. We love you guys. You think I'm chatty? I think so. Yeah, Jonathan Riddle said I was chatty. That's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing, though. No, no, I suppose not. But uh, I mean, you are a uh, Linux. I do talk personality. For a yeah, yeah. kind of have to be. I guess that's be true. A lot quieter. You sure you're not trying to make me feel better? Because chatty feels like a bad description. Maybe I don't get. Well, I mean, if you're like the noisy person in the office, bothering everyone while they're true, trying to get work true. done, but yeah. this is your office, and yeah. you know, yeah, Wimpy. Do you think I'm chatty, Wimpy? He's not answering. He's left, but he authorized oh. me to say on Hobie, his behalf. Do you think yes, I'm chatty? Yeah, okay. Yes, so you it, are chatty. Ch- define chatty for me. Uh, doesn't like there being dead air. Oh, I true. It's probably a fair yeah. <laughs> approximation. Yeah, if there's ever dead air, it's intentional dead air because that, like that feels like an American broadcasting golden rule, though. You don't ever let there be dead air. Informal and lively. Yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah. yeah. Would you look it up? You, well, naturally. You did? <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I guess I'll take that accusation. You know, uh, every now and then, though, I go for the opposite effect. I let, I let there be a pregnant pause just for effect. So sometimes it's, it's worth it. All right. Yeah, fine. Thank you. I, I will. So let's chat. Let's be chatty. Let's chat about Linux Fest Northwest. So uh, you guys know about it. I've talked about it a bunch. Uh, and I won't, I won't bore you with the details. It's April 23rd and 24th, so it's next month. It's in Bellingham, which is a gorgeous – how long – when's the last time you went to Bellingham? Mm, probably like six months ago. Oh, that's actually pretty recently yeah. for, for how far it is from you. Um, it really is beautiful though. Good. I love it Super gorgeous. Super gorgeous. Hippie town. 
you got to watch. There might be some clouds of weed smoke. You got to watch out for that. And onions. Just walk through one on your way to a restaurant. Yeah, that's true. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. And one of the things that we kind of did this year, it, it came out of our visit to System 76, is uh, Emma and Noah are throwing down. And I, I, at first I hemmed and hawed about this. And then I decided – Maybe we should really go crazy with this because, like, we're just switch this. The, I mean, the end goal is to switch people to Linux, right? So why not just go all out and have some fun with this? And uh, I don't have all like it all worked out yet because Noah, you know, he's too busy. Yep, I should have brought him in for the show so I could put him in the, on the spot. But I feel like we should start calling him on here. Yeah. Oh, we should call him. That would be so <laughs> funny. Uh, I feel like we got to get some of this stuff squared away, and I want to go all in on on making this work. So the uh, goal here is just hand it to her. Emma and Noah, Emma from System Seventy Six and Noah are going to try to convert as many people to Linux and and get them switched over and happy with Linux. Now they both have different approaches. Uh, Emma's going to be giving away swag to people who switch. We're going to bring stickers and swag, and Noah's going to have SSDs. Whoa! Yeah. Now, here's what I learned, and I'm not even joking with you. This is this is legit, honest to God. I learned this. Emma is doing a freaking dry run in Denver before she comes out here. No way. She's doing like a practice run <laughs> to get herself ready so that way she's got like all the right moves I mean, and stuff. Noah's life is basically a practice run though. So that, that's, that's true. Good. That's a good point. But I'm telling you uh, – you better be prepared. Yeah. And so uh, you and I, we could brainstorm. I'm, I'm also – I've told him he should contact the uh, local Linux users group up yep. there and uh, other things like that. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe uh, listener Jed and Angela can uh, maybe work because Jed's from up there. you got to call some like local IT guys, people unhappy yeah. with their computers. Yes. Bring oh, their clients that's around. That's really good. That's really good. Or – Put that in Slack. That's really good. Put, put You know what? Put a pin on that. We need that one. That's good. Yeah. Get the local IT Or a involved. USB drive that just wipes their whole computer and puts Linux on. That's the uh, – so, stick it everywhere. Uh, I want to take it up a notch and we, uh, we have – we're bringing a whole – here's my thoughts. We're bringing the crew in, right? So we're going to give jobs to the crew during this time. We're going to go all in. It's going to be a network-wide effort. Effort. We're going to have people go out in the audience and like grab people. I don't know where we're ever at. Restaurants, library, bar, at Linux Fest. We're going to have people go out into the crowd and like pre-screen and get likely candidates and, and have them funnel them into Noah so that he can sit there and rapid convert people. So we're going to have the crew do preliminary work. I don't think she's going to be doing it. I probably shouldn't be telecasting too much. I got other plans. Hopefully though. she's not listening. Well, she, she can't compete too with busy. Our, We're going to bring the army and the weight of the broadcasting <laughs> network down on this thing. And there is a there is a critical component that we are launching to today to help us with this effort and to help you with this effort, teespring.com slash here's the thing. It is a brand new t-shirt, hoodie, and long sleeve shirt. We're hoping to raise some funds for our efforts over at Linux Fest, and we're running it now so that way you'd actually have it in time to wear at Linux Fest if you want to meet up with us and become part of our crew or just get it for yourself. Here it is. Look at this beauty, Wes. It reads, on the front, by popular demand, it has a nice, classy, last mm. breast logo. Over you can the, wear that anywhere. Yeah. On the front, it's nice and classy. And I, we have multiple colors. We also have the hoodie. And we have the long sleeve at teespring.com slash here's the thing. And then on the back, it says, here's the thing, dot, dot, dot. And then, a, then our, our last tux holding the Jupiter Broadcasting rocket. Here's the thing. Do you have a minute to talk about Linux? That's great. This is your opening line to get people to convert to Linux right here. And if you if you want to grab it now, we're we're uh, it's going to go for thirteen more days, five hours, seventeen minutes, and it should ship in time for Linux Fest Northwest or to have on your own. And the funds for this will go towards 
supporting, bringing people out here, getting the, I mean, just beginning. I mean, this is a massively expensive thing that we're doing, but we got we can't run too far into the red, so we got to start something here. Plus, this is an awesome shirt. We've been at, people have been asking to have the logo on the front smaller because otherwise it's just like this monster, it's right. this master, like huge advertising billboard on your belly. And so now we've got the logo over the breast pocket area. There's no breast pocket, but in that general area. And then on the back, Oh, Big tux. Great. Isn't that awesome? And if you didn't want to show that, but you could wear a jacket. But So teespring.com slash here's the thing. Three more needed to be ordered for it to ship. 13 days total. This is part one. This is phase one. We'll be giving these out. And we'll be prob- – there may be a special edition at Linux Fest too. Whoa. If you have one, you may be qualified for a special edition. We'll see. I've talked to Angie about that. Teespring.com slash here's the thing. So that's phase one, right? That's phase one. Phase two – is we got to change up a little software. We got to make a little front end, back end change to get ready for this. Last time I went on the road trip, I used something called Silver Cloud to track my trip. So you could go to jupiterbroadcast.com slash rover and watch where I'm Creep going. Creep on Chris. Creep on me. That was a proprietary piece of hardware. And I want to switch over to using something open source. So, you know, something run like on a mobile device. And Poby, I know, didn't you play with Track Car, Poby? No, it wasn't me. I wrote my own. Oh, you did write your own. Now, oh, because it was running on Ubuntu, huh? Yeah, it would have run on any phone, but I happened to write it for Ubuntu. And so uh, I'm looking at TrackCar. I don't know. Did Now, did you look at TrackCar before you wrote your own tracking, or did you just say, no, ah, this is easy uh, enough? I, I just looked at yours and thought, that looks cool. I should reimagine something. <laughs> <like that." laughs> yeah, and I, of course, I just went the easy button. I wanted a dedicated piece of hardware. Uh, but now now I'm thinking, okay, I could probably make it work on the phone. So there's two projects. And I'd like to get the audience, if anybody in the audience has tried this, Track Car, T-R-A-C Car. It is an open source GPS tracking system for various different types of devices. It could work on hardware or, in my case, on mobile. And then it reports back to your own server that you could be running anywhere, right? You could be running on a droplet or whatever. Uh, and then it lets you embed like a Google map of uh, your position. So that's Track Car. And then, Wes, you found... Own tracks. Own tracks is a different project that allows you to keep track of your own location, and you can have a. You, I could share it with just certain people, or I could publicly. I could publicly publish it. It's also open source and uses open protocols. And uh, it like, looks to be a little more mobile focused. Yeah, and it also is more like social networking focused. Like if you're looking at the app, like you can see your friends on the map. Right. So I'm feeling like track car might be the better. Like, Unless you want to meet up with all your JB friends. Well, that would be cool too, but I don't need to track their location. Yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> You know, they can track mine, but I don't need to track theirs. I kind of want to set up a track server on a DigitalOcean droplet. Uh, I hate asking this, but if anybody out there is has experience doing this and wants to save me time and then just transfer me the droplet, I would totally love that because i got a lot coming up for Linux Fest. Uh, so track car uh, is, uh, I think, how I'll do my live rover tracking so I don't have to pay right. for that proprietary solution. You already have like 10 phones in your pocket all Yeah, the time. well... Yeah, and I'm trying to get as much Linux and open source into Lady Jupiter as possible. So every part where I have a proprietary hardware solution or software, I'm trying to put something That's in. That's awesome. So trackcar.org. If anybody knows how to set that up and wants to set me up one, that would be awesome. Otherwise, I'll try to get to it before we go pick up ham. So one of the things we're doing is uh, the weekend before Linux Fest Northwest, where Noah, if all goes as planned, should be in town, arriving Saturday night to do Linux Action Show Sunday in studio. Then we'll complete Linux Action Show in Studio Sunday. We may do it early. Hit the road in Lady Jupiter. Head over to Idaho. Meet up with Ham. Yeah, yeah. 
Then potentially on the way back, there are rumors afoot that we may meet up with a few other JB audience members and do like a caravan back from from Idaho. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it really does sound awesome. So the track car would be tracking all of that. So we're getting all of that set up right now. Uh, it should be uh, – yeah, Lady Jupiter is the rover. So uh, like you have function, the rover, and you have the name of current rover, which is Lady Jupiter. Yep. Okay. Part of our secret – Linux Fest Northwest plans are contained in this box, Wes. Did you see this box when you walked in? No, I missed it. It's very you, secretive. You missed this box? Yep. It's, it's right over there. Okay. Well, I was delivering hamburgers and, and beer. beers. And beer. That's true. All right. I'll give you credit there. Oh, that's true. Uh, I, uh, I have had a heck of a time with video. And sometimes when power goes out, we lose episodes. Those because, are the best days. Mm-hmm. When power goes out, uh, so we – oh, boy. I know what everybody I'm, – I'm, you know what? I'm stopping myself because I'm realizing all of the emails I'm going to get. Why don't you use a UPS? Why don't you have – I don't have a UPS on our main broadcast machine because in the past it has been introducing buzz to our audio. So I removed a UPS from our main broadcasting machine, which means when the power goes out, you lose the recording. Because the way the video files are written to hard disks, they, they close out the Atom file at the end of the video file. And if you don't write that Atom file properly, the rest of the video is unusable. There are some recovery tools, but they suck. And pretty much only work for MP4s, not lossless video. And this has sucked so bad because we've, we've lost hours of content before. And because um, it can get stormy here in the Pacific Northwest, that's like a thing. And so what we're going to do is uh, build a new solution. Build a new solution based on Linux and OBS, OBS. And uh, so last week, I think it might have been after Linux Unplugged. I can't remember. You know, I've I uh, I've always sort of as a hobby followed Bitcoin yep. for a while. I did Plan B as a podcast, and um, I've always been pretty good at watching when Bitcoin Bitcoin rises and when Bitcoin falls. What is it right now, Wes? What is the? Let's check it out. Yeah, will you check out what is the Bitcoin price right now? If I uh, too bad you uh, let's see. So four nineteen twenty nine four sixteen at Coinbase right now. And uh, what did you see? Well, this is. Bitcoin average, 419. 419, yeah. That's pretty good. So the low has been like around 407 today or 4010 or 410, I mean, and the high has been 417. So it got around, I think it was up at 422, Bitcoin was. And I said to Rikai, I said, because Rikai, you know, Rikai stays pretty current on on, on hardware. And I said to him, uh, could you build me a list of a really powerful machine? I gave him all the things I wanted to do. Uh, And... The one caveat is all these things have to be shipped directly by Newegg because if I'm going to pay in Bitcoin, it ha- all Bitcoin is only accepted by Newegg when you ship directly from Newegg. That's the little catch. Ah. If it's any of their third-party uh, market, market providers, they don't accept they don't Bitcoin. I see. And I wanted to buy this in Bitcoin because uh, otherwise I'm, I'm, I'm poor. And uh, all your money's in the coin. Yes. Well, no, but that's where any ex- learning a bit about any, your portfolio. Today, Chris. Any money I can spend is in Bitcoin. Uh, and uh, so uh, I look at it as a personal investment in the business a little bit. So what I decided to do was uh, I spent quite a bit of Bitcoin actually, because um, I figured four twenty five was probably going to be the high point for a while. So spend while it's high, right? Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, my philosophy with Bitcoin is is if you see it going up and down, if you get it somewhere in the mid average up. Even if it goes up a little bit, you did pretty good. Yep. And so uh, I ordered – I don't remember all of the details now. I probably should have pulled this up before the show. But uh, a six-core processor, a new motherboard, uh, quite a bit of RAM, 
uh, about 32 gigs worth of RAM. Excellent. Um, SSD, M SATA, M dot, or uh, 2.5 drives, whatever, the ones that go into the motherboard mm-hmm. instead of, uh, like, you know, the regular 2.5 inch. Um, NVIDIA 960, I think, uh, GTX uh, graphics. Lots of goodies. And the other thing I did is I bought two of everything. So what we'll do now is we will build two of these machines. That's great. Identical builds, identical software configs, both installed, ready-to-be OBS broadcast machines. And one will be over there doing all of our endpoint broadcasting and recording a real-time backup of the live stream. And then the second build will be sitting under this table, the, the broadcast, the, the desk here. And if anything ever happens to the main broadcast machine, I just unplug the one under the table here and plug in over there, and I can start broadcasting yeah. again. I have a, I have a one-to-one backup. Uh, and that also means down the road, like if we want to experiment with new crazy versions of OBS or Linux, we could switch over to the backup one, run off that for a couple of days, do our upgrades and experimentations on the new machine, maybe like a new patch or something like that. And if you ever need to, you just fail back to the exactly. one you haven't touched. It's, it's going to be so, 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 so nice. And it's going to get rid of so many problems that the Mac Pro caused. Uh, I am majorly looking forward to it. So that's one of the projects. So all of like the, all of like the little components showed up today in that box. What's still missing is I haven't picked a case. I'd like to have identical nice cases. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to spend too much on that and storage. Because the one thing is, is the hardest thing is I don't know if I can really re- – I don't know if I can buy two sets of storage for this thing because the thing needs like two, three terabytes right. really fast. Maybe even more, like five terabytes, really fast. And maybe even more than that if possible. And I don't really want to buy two sets of those. So I haven't bought that yet. I haven't gotten a case yet. There's still a lot I have to buy. And it's like I only I only want to spend so much of my personal yeah, money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the network can't really afford to do it right now. But this, I think, is going to be such a huge upgrade for us oh, because man. on the back end, we're going to rework a ton of stuff. The way a ton of stuff works, the way we broadcast, we should be. it should open us up to a bunch of more streams. And then down the road, hopefully take to our, our capabilities even further. So it's going to be a nice rig with, with six physical cores and That's then hyper-threading great. on top of that. We should be able to stream to multiple places, do multiple encodings, uh, live backups, all that kind of stuff. And then on top of all of that, we should be able to record the build of these things and the configuration of these things and get some content out of it too. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a big, huge upgrade for us, and it's going to reduce a bunch of dependency on, on, uh, on Wirecast, which I'm really excited about. So yeah. That's a big call. So OBS can do it. Well, we'll see. I don't know if it'll handle all the camera switching, but it's definitely going to handle all of the streaming, all of the master recording and switching of uh, live stream to recorded streams, which even if I just take all of that off of Wirecast, that itself will make Wirecast more stable and reliable. And then we can just – because a part of the problem is is I'd have to buy all new capture cards too, possibly. We will go – what what I plan to do is take it as far as we can take it. We may try taking the capture cards out of that machine and putting them in the new machine and seeing how far we can take it. And if we can go all the way, we would go all the way. But there's a lot of little things like green screening and compositing Mm -hmm. that uh, we would need to to be able to do like dynamic stuff that – possible, but yeah. Yeah. Really excited about that. And so for for us, Linux Fest isn't just about the fest – and this Emma Noah competition, but there's also some really cool projects we're going to be working on that are going to have big long-term improvements for the Paying network. Down some network technical debt here. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited. So it all is so at least not all of it, I think, but a huge chunk of it. It's funny because it's so much money that I spent, and then I see it in one box like that. I'm like, I was expecting more boxes. Makes you feel just poor. But then again, like Amazon ships boxes within boxes within boxes. So I, I guess I, I guess I can't complain too much. And I don't, know, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Noah's already scheming about the setup, so I think it should be really fun. 
I know OBS can do green screening, uh, but uh, I'm particular. Yeah, oh, that's super exciting. I uh, thanks. Yeah, I I am I. It's been a it's been a long time since I've had a really new uh, computer to build. Right. Except for with exception of these Librams and the Apollo, which has been boom all of a sudden hit at the same time. But uh, you know, my main machine upstairs is like an f- original first generation i seven. Oh wow. Uh, that is a that that broadcast machine there is a twenty twelve model, right? So that's an old rig. Uh, so all these machines are getting several generations old. So to get two of the identical current generation Hot machines days. and build them. And the nice thing is when that machine's over the, under the table acting as just like a backup, I'll use it as like all my visuals. It'll have a nice video card right. so I can, I can show off some nice new Steam games and do, you know, like 60 frames per second gaming, stuff like that, which will be really nice. Get captured. You won't so. have any hardware excuses when your program that you're testing out on the air breaks live. Yeah, I'm, I am. Uh, I it is a it is it's, it's funny, you know, because it's it's one point it's a little crazy, it's a little scary because I'm I, we're we're building up a whole bunch of stuff and I've just spent a whole bunch of money on it. Uh, at the other at the other time, though, I can't wait to have it all sort of done and just have that stage that I've been waiting on for so many years done. It feels like I'll be checking off a box that has been years in the making. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and just recap night today, we're talking about some of the crazy things we're going to be able to do now. Um, they're going to make other things that. We'll make some of the, like the live stream experience smoother. We yep. won't have to like bring the stream down between shows, and um, but it'll also make it so that way we don't lose content for the released versions too. So it's like it's going to improve the live streams and the recorded shows, and it's going to be us- and it's going to be done using Linux. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. I am really pretty super. That's really coming that. a long way. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Now the next, but the thing is to focus on right now. We got to get as many people switched to Linux as possible. We got to come up with a game plan. So if you are in the Bellingham area which has got to be just a few of you. And you could help us come up with a solid winning game plan where we could take Noah and our crew and interrupt people and not get them upset and convince them to try Linux. And the other thing I was thinking is if you're going to Linux Fest Northwest, bring a friend who hasn't yet switched because they're going to get an SSD, they're going to get swag, and they're going to get switched to Linux. So that's pretty cool. And you can help our effort, teespring.com slash here's the thing. That's a pretty cool shirt, too. I, I, I want the long sleeve one myself. We're selling the uh, T-shirt pretty much at cost uh, with a slight markup, just a real small one to uh, hopefully raise a little bit of funds. Uh, I mean, someone's got to buy those SSDs. Shipping April 4th, hopefully. Or uh, uh, not shipping April 4th. The, uh, the uh, Teespring campaign ends April 4th and probably printing several days after that to make it in time for the end of April. So that's uh, teespring.com slash here's the thing. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it looks like we meet the uh, threshold to uh, ship. So Heck yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I think uh, I think this could be a thing that we do at other fests too. Like yeah, if we right? could get the formula right, we could do like a little sub event where we – you know, because a lot – so uh, Lugs in Washington, I, mean, I would imagine everywhere. But Lugs everywhere will have um, uh, install fest days. Yep. Have you seen this? I, absolutely. We Somewhere where you have people, you know, right there on site. You can ask questions as you're trying to get things yeah. set up. We could we could put together that kind of, of thing, and like if this works, like we could put together a meetup, and we could get audience members that would help out with the initiative, and you know, because really, what you just need is like a production line. People bring their laptops in or their desktops in, them, open them, put them, and you know, it'd be cool. Like if we really seriously got into this, is if we could have like monitors and keyboards and mice there, so they if they want to get their desktop switch, they just bring their tower. They don't right. have to bring all their stuff. Yep. And of course, if they're bringing a laptop, it's super easy. We get a little networking in there, so that way they could get we could send them home patched and all that kind of stuff. Hundred yep. percent up to date. Just ask. Hey, what? Oh my gosh, what are your favorite applications? Get their icons yep. all set up for them. Like we could really do this, and we could do it like itself. We could do it at scale. We could do it at Linux Fest Northwest. That could be like a really cool thing we do when we go out there. And it would always make for great, like little, like two minute update in the show too. 
So anyways, uh, oh, sorry, Wimpy. Wimpy says he's not. I'm sorry, Wimpy. So anyways, really excited about Linux Fest Northwest. You'll probably be hearing obnoxiously more about it. And if you're, uh, if you're ham radio, you're really going to hear more about it because we're going to be coming your direction, ham. Prepare your body. Put pants on when they get there. We're coming for you. And uh, I got like a few things I got to fix in Lady Jupiter because you know what I've realized is living in an RV <laughs> is like living in a boat. And there, it is a constantly decaying right. object. See, in a house, you, you tell yourself that you could live in this thing for 30 years and you'll just have to fix up a few things here and there. But about five, ten years into it, you realize there's like tens of thousands of dollars worth of work to do. But with an RV, every month there's something to do. Now, it's not always this big, but there's always something. So uh, right now, uh, I can't use my uh, microwave when I'm on generator power. Why would I, you want to? I can't Why go pick up ham without a functioning microwave. So I got to fix that. I'm going to try to fix that tonight after the show. I'm, so I'm, be, I'm beginning to repair it to get it ready for the <laughs> like each each ma- major voyage you go on. There's like a little something you got to do afterwards. So uh, that's mine is uh, fix the uh, fix the generator, so that way the microwave and more importantly the electric fireplace work oh, while we're on the road. I gotta, mean, Ham has expectations about the mood in <laughs> gotta Lady set Jupiter. That mood. <laughs> All right, uh, very good, very good. So I'm looking forward to that, and and uh, you'll probably. Uh, Probably see some sort of video update soon with uh, Ham's smiling face on it. And more from Linux Fest Northwest. And then, of course, if you can't make it, we will be streaming it live. And we'll have a meetup page hopefully launched soon. All right. So uh, I'm itching to tell you about something that uh, I'm surprised I'm this happy about. Uh, are you still – are you in KD 5.6 right there? Uh, I switched back, but I've been using it. Oh, you are no yeah, longer? and now I'm trying oh. it out in a virtual machine. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Look at you. Well, okay. So it came out today. So we got to talk about it. I've been running it for a few days here. And uh, it's easier than ever now to try it. There's like many options. And I know we have a few different people trying it a few different ways in the mumble room. Plus, I'll tell you about how I'm trying it and we'll find out how Wes is trying it too and how you can try it. But first, let's talk about DigitalOcean. Love DigitalOcean. Uh, speaking of some of our plans for Linux Fest Northwest, yeah, some of them involve spinning up droplets. When we go on location, you know, if you want to stream to multiple destinations, you could do that from your connection. But if you really want to have high-resolution streams, you could consider also streaming from a DigitalOcean droplet. OBS is very easy to send from one spot to the other. In fact, uh, Tech Syndicate just recently did a video on this. We were kind of concocting this solution for our new setup. DigitalOcean droplets are just our go-to infrastructure. You need a Linux rig with a super-fast connection, a blazing-fast CPU that's crazy easy to manage, and a beautiful UI to set up. That's DigitalOcean. starts at just $5 a month. You get 512 megabytes of RAM. All SSDs, the $5 one gives you a 20-gigabyte SSD with a terabyte of transfer. And of course, their pricing structure just works really simply and it goes up from there. If you just need it for a few hours, easy peasy. Their interface is so simple. You can be a server master working on servers since servers were a thing. Or you could be a total noob and you will still find DigitalOcean's interface appealing. Isn't that like an amazing... It's awesome. That's like a line they have struck that is very rare, especially, let's just be honest, in a web app. Like it almost never happens in a web app. And I mean, if anyone's going to complain about it, it's going to be you. So <laughs> the fact that you like it. It's very, I don't, yeah, you're right about that. Also, they have a great API, which oh, meant I love that API. you can use that API. You can tap that API all you want, or you can take advantage of the open source code that's already done that. And then you can just. And it's like, it's like one curl. Be just, like, yeah. Bam. Lazy web, you got it. Boom. Uh, Check them out, digitalocean.com. Use our promo code D-O-Unplugged. That's how you support this show, D-O-Unplugged. All one word, lowercase, gives you a $10 credit over at DigitalOcean. You can spin up an Ubuntu rig, a Debian rig, a Fedora, FreeBSD. I do generally Ubuntu LTSs, but I don't judge if you do FreeBSD. I won't judge. And the uh, uh, BSD Now guys have talked about a few cool ways you can use that HTML5 console on DigitalOcean to actually install other BSDs as well. 
Or Arch or, or Arch. whatever you want. Yeah, I'll just the put power th- of KVM. We're just going to put that out there. Yeah, because they're using KVM as the virtualizer. Uh, it's a really great infrastructure. It's a great infrastructure based on Linux, a great way to run Linux rigs, and a great way to support the show. DigitalOcean.com. Just use that promo code DO Unplugged. All one word, lowercase. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged program. And I'll just give a quick shout out too. Um, we haven't talked a lot about this feature uh, since it first came out. Floating IPs are a brilliant way to make you to make a ten dollar operation look like a fifty million dollar operation. And team accounts, if you're an open source project or in a business, are also rocking. So check them out. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code DOUnplugged. They're really great data centers all over the world. Thank you, DigitalOcean. Okay, so anybody in the mumble room uh, running uh, like a uh, um, leap or a, or tumbleweed with a, with a current uh, version of Plasma Desktop installed on their machine in the mumble room? I am. Oh, can you get to, can you describe your setup a little bit to me? Uh, yes, it's uh, just uh, the most current version of Plasma on tumbleweed. It's very basic. Do you know is that five six already? I believe it's five point five point or something like that. Well, sir, that is no longer the latest because today Plasma 5.6, which I'm sure you'll get very soon, has been released. And uh, it is interesting. And also, it comes with a video. How about this? I don't think I've ever seen Plasma KDE desktop do this. And it's it's kind of interesting. We could watch a few seconds of it. The clock is ticking, so it is the time to release Plasma 5.6, which brings many improvements and features to your desktop. The default Plasma theme, Breeze, now follows the application color scheme, allowing for a more personalized experience. K-Runner gained cleaner look and support for drag and drop. The much improved task manager in Plasma 5.6 now displays progress of tasks, such as downloading or copying files. This is actually kind of a neat feature. So uh, in Dolphin, when you're moving files around, in the task manager, there's a little loading bar that goes across the Dolphin entry to indicate the progress of the file copy. Isn't that kind of a nice little touch? It's a nice touch. Covering a music or video player shows beautiful album art and media controls. This actually hasn't worked for me yet, but the idea is like when you hover over a task bar uh, uh, um, entry for your task manager, normally you'd get like a plasma window that pops up with a preview of the window. Well, with like VLC or uh, Sandstorm or um, or not Sandstorm, what app? I don't know what application that is. Uh, or Spotify, you, you get not only a preview of the window, but you actually get little player control bars at the bottom of that little uh, – Comp is like a pop-up preview. I don't know what you call that. So you never have to leave the application you're currently working with. Users that place a folder applet in their panel can now choose between list and icon view. Additionally, tooltip animations have become more subtle. I like this when next adding one. desktop widgets, all windows get minimized and the widget explorer becomes semi-transparent during drag. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's nice. Activity Manager backend was revamped, so creating and switching between activities should be noticeably faster. 
This release brings back the weather and media frame widget. I actually like that. If you enjoy using Plasma, please consider donating to KDE so we can continue to work together and make the best free software possible. I guess I shouldn't cut her off. Uh, so uh, there you go. She just sort of covered some of the features of 5.6. So here it was my takeaway. And then I want to get your takeaway. And then we'll go to the mumble room. Um, and then we'll wrap it up. But uh, something really weird happened to me this week. And I'm really uncomfortable with it because I've never been in this position before. Never? Yeah. And I'm glad Wimpy's not here anymore. Wimpy, you left, right? Good, oh, good. Because I would feel bad even saying this if he was listening because I would just feel awful. I found myself uh, – so uh, this here is the Librem that I'm running uh, 5.6 on. And I have the Apollo still running Ubuntu Mate 1510, yep. which is now I'm just using as my portable. And I'm, I have this one here. And here's the thing. I found myself every time I wasn't using this desktop missing Plasma 5.6. Wow. And little things um, like uh, – I, uh, I was uh, at home and uh, my MiFi dropped out. Actually, it didn't drop out. I restarted it. <laughs> and uh, when I restarted it, I could never get Ubuntu Mate to refresh my available wireless networks and connect to it again. And right here on KDE Plasma 5.6, there's just a little refresh button you just click and it just refreshes all the wireless networks. Now, I'm not saying that's what – I'm saying there's, there's about a million of these little things now in 5.6 that have been refined and come together to actually make – a really tremendous desktop. Um, it's really performant. It's really fast. I, I don't I, – I mean Mate is fast as well, but it's definitely faster than GNOME 3. As somebody who, dri- who drives GNOME 3 all the time, it's definitely faster than GNOME 3. Uh, and there are things in it like the new K-Runner looks a lot better. You can do alt space to launch the new K runner and it's cleaner. It looks better. Uh, it searches like a son of a gun, man. It's, yeah, it does. It is a, the, one of the best test op searches. K runner itself is really powerful and there's a whole bunch of other functionalities. You know what too? And I, this is always something I've always known. And one of the reasons I always kind of have been sort of attracted to a KDE desktop or a plasma desktop console is one of the best terminal emulators out there. Have you ever had like three or four tabs open to your servers? Did you know you can send and the other terminal applications do this as well, but this is the default guys. Did you know you can send your input? to all of your tabs at once. So like if you want to do app-get update across all your machines, you can be SSH'd in, tab, 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 and just say execute this command right in console across all my tabs, and you could update all your you – know, it's just – it's a great console application. Kate is a great text editor. Dolphin is a great file manager, like really good. And the problem yeah, has always really been – problem has always been, for me, since they went to version 5, has been Plasma Shell itself. Now, it did actually crash on me in the pre-show, and hopefully that'll be in the after show if you guys want to see that. Uh, but we were able to recover. Like, I didn't have to restart. Nope. Back up and running. Here's where I'm at with this, and this is why I'm genuinely excited about this. Every single stinking release of KDE since about 5.3 has been, for me personally, remarkably better. And now 5.6 is the accumulation of much-needed improvements to the Breeze theme. The Breeze theme uh, is much more consistent now. They, they have the icons much more flushed out. It, it adopts whatever color choices you've chosen. Um, the default layouts, at least on this Kubuntu with neon uh, packages installed, are much more uh, clean and sensible. There's, I'm not overloaded with choice. And... Um, I kind of feel like it feels more modern than GNOME 3 in some ways. Uh, like uh, wow. the way – the way. OK. Here's just an example. Something that's just been really nice. All of my icons down there are just working. And I know – I don't know exactly why. But 
like I, I have my Chrome icon, I have my Hangouts icon, I have my Dropbox icon down there in my system tray. And you know what, Wes? They don't have ugly white boxes around no, they them. Don't. They don't like they're not oddly sized. They're not mismatched in size like they used to be on the Plasma desktop. They're all consistent. They all look good. And I have the power to hide them if I want to. Um, yeah, I just for me, I, I, I'm actually seriously considering putting Plasma 5.6 on everything and just going all in for a little while and see how I feel. Wow. I've never. Uh, oh, oh. so I before I go too much further. Actually, before I, I will follow up. I, I'll write it down so I don't forget because I've got, I got a lot of questions after our 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 our, uh, so our Friday or Sunday show. So I will write down the questions. I wanted to hear your thoughts because I've been talking for a little bit. What what did you you tried it out on the Sputnik? What did you think? No, I was also similarly impressed. I feel like for a little while, Plasma Five had felt kind of like the early days of GNOME Three, where I really liked what they were doing. I liked all the changes. I liked seeing the updates, but it the same kind of thing where it just wasn't quite stable enough or I'd had enough problems or enough things had changed and I wasn't sure how they were going to work out. But I've really enjoyed it. It worked really well. Um, I was using Kubuntu on here. It's been working very nicely. Uh, I want to try maybe something like OpenSUSE with it as well. I think that would be entertaining. And that might be something that I would consider putting on like friends' computers. Uh, but it has been, it still might, personally, KDE is always still, still feels like a, a lot of, you know, it's a, a huge, it's a huge desktop environment and it does what it does really well, but it takes over everything. So I don't know if I'll be using it every day, but for systems where that's what I want, that's an interesting, it works really well. That's an interesting comment and an interesting way to put it in kits. And I kind of wanted to let you jump off from, uh, from Wes's point there, because uh, you say you like the way it feels. Yeah, I like the way it feels, um, and I'm actually a traditional uh, GNOME user, believe it or not. And I think that the reason that it works so well, and and I think the reason that you like it too, is because it feels like how a computer should work. It doesn't feel like a touch interface shoehorned onto hmm. a desktop. Wow, that is a good point. Yeah, that is a good point. You know, the other thing that uh, – because, because I haven't been using it for a while – so there's still novelties to me that uh, are are fun. Like when you take a screenshot, they just have like one of the best screenshot applications. Yeah. And it like you have – you can – with a little bit of work, you can send like your screenshots to third-party services right from the screenshot application like Imager or, or stuff like that. They have great online account integration. Um, I'm going to stick with it for a bit. And I might try loading on the Apollo too. Anybody else uh, in the moment want to jump in on their thoughts on KDE? And uh, I'd like to know if you uh, what distros you've been trying it on. I've used uh, 5.5.6 on multiple different distros. I haven't used 5.6 yet, obviously, but uh, I mean, everything that a lot of the stuff that they mentioned in this is actually already in 5.5.6, like the media player uh, uh, plasmoid is really cool because you can create custom shortcuts so that when no matter what media player is playing, you can actually automatically like pause something or move, Mm -hmm. move songs, regardless of what actual player you use. So you can always have the same global shortcut, and that's really awesome. Oh, that is nice. Mm-hmm. That is nice. So, Rodden, sounds like you've been sticking with it for a while. What is it that's been sticky for you yeah. about Plasma Desktop? What's kept you there? Uh, well, I switched uh, a year ago, actually, well, a little bit over a year ago. And I've I've gone back and forth with different DEs, but I've always gone back to KDE now. And it's because uh, Plasma has an uh, infinite amount of control. Like, if you want to have, like, for example, uh, Kitsune said that, he liked it because it was a traditional desktop and it wasn't like a touch thing. But if you want a touch looking desktop, you can do that. I actually have like my, if you, you've seen my setup, it, it kind of looks similar to GNOME because I can change it to the way I, I want it to look. But that, that's one of the that's the power of Plasma. But the, the huge the biggest reason to use KDE Plasma 
is actually KWIN because yeah. you can do yeah, that's fair. pretty much anything you want to do with KWIN. Anything that any other window manager can do, KWIN can do it. And there's tons of things that only KWIN can do. I am continually like, impressed with KWIN. Yeah, and I think it's a big part of the why the 5.6 desktop feels so responsive to the based uh, compared to the GTK desktops. And I'm talking about like resizing windows or when the way they draw. It just feels it feels like a little bit like how good how good Compass feels to me. Compass and KWIN, I can perceive a difference in the way that Mutter renders things or whatever GNOME is using. Uh, so yeah, uh, Mutter. Yeah, I mean just. Deep. Even on my virtual machine, when you like drag drag the window around, it it's fast. It, yeah, the, the a, transparency a, a, works like in a VM. Yeah, there's well, a really cool well, default feature: a hold Alt and then use your right click, uh, the right click mouse on any corner, and you can resize the window super fast. Oh, so you don't have to get like all accurate with where you grab it. That is nice. Right. There's also one of the things that I like. This is actually the reason why. I was having a conversation with here on Mumble, and someone said uh, that, like we we have a conversation about games in full screen and stuff like that. And you know, sometimes window mode games are better yeah. than are better performers than right. full screen. Right. Yeah. right. If in in KDE with KWIN, you can use uh, there's the no borders rule, so you can actually just uh, put a game in window mode and then right click the title bar and sh- go and go through the pro- to more options and click no borders. It removes the border, full screen that window, and it looks like it's a full screen, even though it's not. Yeah, the things you can tweak are, are pretty impressive. That is really cool. Uh, so that, yeah, that, I could see that making it sticky for you. Uh, Wizard, you've tried it on Debian. I don't think we've gotten a Debian take yet. What are, what's your impressions? Uh, so I've had ups and downs with it all the way through. I stuck around. I went through the KDE 4 to KDE 5 transition inside of Debian, and it was terrifying. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> It uh, it was it ended up working out really well. Uh, you know, there's there's been ups and downs. I've had I've been through the points where the desktop has crashed continually. That's actually why that, that's I had that script sticking around somewhere uh, because my desktop crashed a lot at the beginning. But it's gotten <laughs> it's been getting better every and like I, I, it's gotten to the point where I have to use that restart plasma uh, the script. I use it maybe once every couple months. You know, it's it's really good now. Yeah. Um, In fairness, I have a restart cinnamon script. So Do you? I mean, yeah. yeah. Isn't that built into cinnamon? Yeah. yeah. But, well, yeah. there were some other features there. So you know what really sucks super, super bad? Uh, uh, and it's it's just what it is right now, but the, the Discover or Mulan or whatever it's called, Software Center, um, are you seeing this? I mean, I know they're trying and I don't want to be mean, but look how awkward this is. So let's go into, oh, I don't know. Let's go into system settings, right? So that's a category, system and settings. And look at this, Wes. It's just blank. Like there's just – There doesn't just, appear to be anything there. There's nothing there. And like the icons are all strange. You know what's right here are widgets, like the weather widget, awesome widgets. Uh, compared to the software boutique or um, app grid, yep. on for, you know, I'm just talking for Ubuntu systems. Yeah, yeah. The software boutique is what uh, is what Wimpy's been working on, which is just awesome. This is I installed VLC, but I mean this is just this is a huge disappointment. I like that it's cross distro. That is a nice it's right. like GNOME software in that yeah. sense. I do I respect that and I understand it's a big challenge, but I am not like I need to what, deliver more. What I want from the boutique and what I want from Ubuntu Software Center and what I want from Muon Discover, whatever you want to call it. I want to find a new app that it delights me. 
and I want to install it on my desktop. And I, I want to I want to then share it with Linux Action Show audience. I want to discover new software via this. I you know I didn't necessarily do that with the software boutique, but you know I I installed a whole bunch of apps in about five minutes. That was really. I mean, it, for people that are going to get Ubuntu Mate sixteen oh four, and they're going to they're going to launch that welcome center. They're going to in in five minutes. They're going to have their entire software stack. And and what what they what learn about done, what a PPA is. You won't have to deal with anything. It just takes care of all of that for you, and it gives you the best software on Linux in minutes. This doesn't do that. This does spoculate. Uh, this does spoculate. This That's does spotlight uh, Digicam VLC Carita. You know, some really solid Qt applications. But just doesn't do just and marble, but just doesn't do justice to all the desktop applications available for Linux, and I find it to be a major disappointment. Yeah. Ruan actually yeah. used to be better, but they started recently, as in five point five point three update, they started porting it more because it used to just not be on Framework five. Then they started porting it, and they changed a lot of stuff that I don't really like. Like the update system is actually it used to be much better than it is now. So check this out. Uh, just to kind of give you an example, Wes. Now, I don't have anything loaded uh, in this VLC media player, so it's not as cool. Oh, the lower third is probably going to block this. But as I hover over VLC in my task manager, you can kind of see it there, Wes. You see how I have play and oh, previous yeah. and next. And I can also it's, – so it's, it's integrated now into the freaking task manager, our playback controls. And the reason why this is a big deal for me is I play a lot of media through VLC. I'm usually using Livestreamer. Or I'm grabbing the RTSP stream of something and I'm tossing – or I'm throwing an MP3 and they're listening to a podcast. Right. And so to be able to just play and pause right there is neat. It's, it's neat because it's a different way to do it and it accommodates for multiple media applications at once. So whereas a media applet will just do whatever application is controlling the volume, this I can manage. Spotify, VLC and the other – just for me because I'm sometimes running several apps yeah, at once. Exactly. It's really nice. This is just a really tight desktop, really well performing. And uh, one of the other things, r- true to their word, uh, the KDE Neon Project already has uh, a developer version. Now, remember, this is really just for testing and developing. It's not for day- daily use. They already have an ISO out with 5.6. I'll have it linked in the show notes. You can download this and try it out right now. The, uh, the KDE Neon Project has their files hosted at files.kde.org. They're all in with the KDE Project. Uh, so anyways, if you want to try it out, if you want to try out 5.6, we do have... Uh, a link in the show notes you can go. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. This is kind of a big deal for me, and I don't want to. Uh, for me, this feels huge because not only am I thinking about switching to KDE, but I'm thinking about switching to Neon specifically. Wow! In anticipation of 16.04. Yeah. And to be switching not only from GNOME, but to also be switching from Arch. That's a big change. It feels like a mistake almost, but because uh, Arch will have five six. Yeah. In so, I already have it, but the Neon project. Itself is such an interesting experiment, and sixteen of sixteen oh four looks like such a promising release. I know, and even if I don't stay with sixteen oh four, it's like I feel like I have to install it and use it for a while just to like be in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. of when it releases. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's funny because you know my sixteen oh four review is coming up, and it's like I need to immerse myself in Unity, and yet here I am, extremely attracted Running to plasma. five six. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't see. I know, I know, I know, I know. Kitson, you can go ahead and mention it on the air. You don't have to just type it. You want to give a plug for Tumbleweed? We should mention Tumbleweed. Go ahead. Yeah, I actually think that you should uh, give Tumbleweed a try. I think you'd have uh, great luck with it. I have. I really haven't ran into any problems or surprises updating anything, and I've been running it for 
almost a month now. Sonics 711 in the chat room says, I'm chasing the dragon. I should be careful. You know, you might be right. And here's what I was thinking is I would like to really try to give it a go. And so you want some of you listening might be wondering, well, what about your sound problems, Chris? And this was like the number one question that got sent into the Linux Phone Action Show. now? Uh, yeah, by all in on Phonon, am I am I super excited about Phonon? No, but in recent uh, KDE releases, I think it might have been in five five. Uh, they have they have well, who 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 get echo back from there? Who get right? Five five started it. Yes, and then five six is the more full. Uh, implementation. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of suspected that was the case. Thank you for the clarification. Uh, so I can do a process of elimination now that essentially prevents problems. It requires I manage it more, but it allows me at the same time I can manage it. Right. So it's actually not bad. So if you're looking at my uh, screen right now on the video version here of uh, Linux Unplugged, you see I'm in the audio volume settings. And you can just get there by right clicking on the volume, volume applet and going to um, audio settings. All the tabs are super important, input devices, output devices. But you see something here, West. You see how I only have one device listed in output devices? Yes, I do. And do you see how I only have one device listed in input devices? Now, uh, there are some instances where I have a machine that literally has three sound cards in it. Right. The HDMI port, a USB sound card, and the onboard. And the onboard. Well, what you can do now in starting like Rotten said in 5.5 and, and continuing in 5.6, and there's other things as well. But, uh, but one of the nice things is, is I can simply just turn those other sound cards off. And then the Plasma desktop isn't even aware they're available, and it can't nice. cock it up. It's literally it's you just by, choose what you actually want to use. Yeah, by a process of elimination, by eliminating all the other sound cards as it available options to the system, and only making the one sound card I want available, everything defaults to it. Solve my problem, and so I am now able to use the Plasma desktop and drive the sound effects from this machine. And not have it randomly change sound cards on me. Or what was happening to me in Plasma before is some desktop applications would use one sound card. Oh, that's... And, and other ones would use another sound that's card. That's the worst. It's awful. So uh, that was the number one question that came in after last is, but what about the sound? Because I've gone on and on about that problem. I don't think it's particularly solved, but because I can disable devices that I don't want to use, for you. it solves the problem for me. So there you go. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> if you don't have two, three sound cards in a machine, it's not as big of a deal. But most of us these days do have HDMI out. And if that supports sound, which it does, then... You probably have your nice USB DAC. I mean... Yeah. Now, you know, I haven't... <sighs> hmm. I haven't tried it on the DAC upstairs where I had a problem where it would reset the volume to maximum. Ooh. That would be phase <laughs> that's two. That's a dangerous problem. That's, that's phase two. Yeah, it is because the speakers up there are my editing speakers and they are loud, dude. It literally, I think, I think it gave me a heart palpitation when, it, <laughs> when the first time because it was like a KD, like air message, like a bring oh, air. And it was so loud my ears rang afterwards. And Rikai, I, I, I think, came out of the room and said, is everything okay? Like, like it was <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so uh, Kitson, has that happened to you? Where it just resets the volume to maximum for like an application. Like what happened, if I recall, was is for some reason an application volume got set low, right. but the system volume would be set Still to one hundred percent, and so a system message would come up at one hundred percent. System message. Have you gotten good. that, Kitson? I've had that happen a couple times, uh, not recently. The one big thing that happens to me is uh, my mic will get unplugged because I got an old mic and the connection's kind of janky. And then I'll go to plug it back in, and it'll be muted, and I have to switch everything back over. It doesn't default correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, I'll see if I run into those kinds. Of, I think the only way I can really find out is if I, if I jump in. Yep. But holy smokes, this is a slick desktop. All, oh, oh, also, should mention, speaking of Martin and uh, Kwin and how great Kwin is, uh, 5.6. 
real solid, like this one will run on Wayland release. This is the will run Ooh, on Wayland that release. That might be fun to try. Yeah, big deal. Now, not ready for production, not 100%, but so much work has gone into making this freaking work on Wayland, and a lot of that work is showing up in 5.6. Um, pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. And you could probably just go try it out using the neon uh, ISO in the show notes. And you know all the you know what's funny what's ironic what's ironic about this and this story of my life as a Linux user super annoying. I don't distro hop anymore I desktop well actually I'm about to distro hop too you are right God old habits die hard don't they yep. uh, what's what's really frustrating is all this freaking choice because also GNOME three two zero is about to come out. And GNOME 3.2.0 is looking really good. Yeah. It, so go figure. I'm getting all excited about Plasma Desktop right as the new GNOME is about to come out. I just – I uh, These are good problems to have though. Yeah. Yeah. We're first world problems for sure. But yeah, I tell you what. And you know what? I, I just uh, – I'll just revel in it. I'll just revel in it. I guess at, at least I have a place to talk about my problems. You guys are like my therapy yes, session. Yes, that's right. <laughs> OK. Uh, Mumble Room, any uh, closing thoughts before we move on from Plasma Desktop 5.6? Yeah, I thought with that video that uh, KDE was totally going the GNOME direction with release announcements. But I think that they really messed it up. The music was awful. The voiceover was boring. You still I, need a good I, mic. Yeah, and there was a little bit too much echo. The voiceover music, was kind of robotic. Yeah, the, uh, the music could be a little more excited. Like you could do something like a... Yeah, Plasma five point six is a brand new release from the KDE, you know, or something like you could you could you could spice it you up. Just with, talk to Chris; he'll do it. Yeah, totally, I would too. Uh, but I actually, at the same time, am really glad because uh, one of the things that I have p- complained about is how bad Linux journalism is. And when the projects are releasing videos themselves, like you've been watching, uh, the Mycroft project yeah, has done this brilliantly. Really uh, is you don't fumble the message. You don't have a chance for there to be a misinterpretation because the journalist, well, not only will they get to write about what you're, what you're doing, but they'll just also embed your video. It gives you an opportunity to speak to the public directly about what's great and new and not have it get lost in translation. Um, and now it's just a matter of refinement. Make it a little peppier. Make it a little more excited. This is a big deal. A lot of awesome stuff just happened, and you are excited about it. I mean, I am more excited about it than the person in that video was. Not to be too critical, but let's be real. And also, yeah, the music did suck. But you know what? At least they had music. Yeah. The old cloud project didn't even have music, <laughs> right? So we are seeing— We helped them out, though. This is legitimately a new interesting trend we are seeing in open source. We are going from the community that barely even has screenshots of our shit to the community that is creating video videos yeah. about our shit. Like that is a huge transition for us and one I completely support because if nothing else, it gives people an opportunity to share something. I know that sounds stupid, but, uh, you know, a two-minute YouTube video is an easy share. Yep. And you can spread the word and people can watch it. And, and it's you... a lot easier. Yeah, it's so much easier to be like, hey, check out this cool desktop I'm using rather than a GitHub readme with just text. And like you 5 says pointed out, is it helps them control their image and the message. Uh, and so that way, you know, it doesn't get fumbled by the quote-unquote journalists out there. I, I actually think it's a good trend, but the problem is doing a, doing a video and doing a good video – are hard. That was that was a, that was a good attempt, and I really I respect them for trying it. They could they could spice it up a little bit, um, and it's just it just takes a little bit of t- of trial and error. I mean, look at my look at my early, people who know how to do it. And my early stuff is embarrassing as hell. <laughs> my my current stuff is embarrassing as hell, and I've been doing it for ten years. So I can't, I can't give them that much crap. You know what I can talk about though, and I do love this LinuxAcademy.com. 
slash unplugged. Go support the Unplugged program and learn more. Actually, go support yourself. This is a great opportunity to learn more about any of the technologies built around Linux, the Linux stack, or any of the really good stuff that people make money off of on Linux. And what I love about the Linux Academy is it isn't just a feature for their training website. Got to have that Linux and open source stuff on there. It's really what they're all about. They got in this as a way to be advocates for Linux. Programmers, developers, Linux enthusiasts, system administrators, they got together and they built the Linux Academy platform. They now have 2,339 video self-paced courses, downloadable comprehensive study guides, seven-plus distributions you get to choose from, live servers spun up on the demand with an SSH connection. And not only have they recently expanded into new offices, launched an app for mobile, but they've brought in a whole bunch of staff to get new content on board even faster and make sure older content stays relevant because you know what? Turns out Linux changes a bunch. Like all the time. And they get that. You know, it's not, they're not going to just create something and let it rot. They really have some interesting technology too, like scenario-based labs, which are right in the middle of a common everyday environment task. So you really have hands-on experience and confidence. Instructor mentoring is available, which is great, especially for stuff like this. Experts who like know what they're doing. Have you ever, have you ever done like work training? Have you ever done like a work training program? I worked for a few places that would actually give me like a little bit, like a, like I was like, like 1200 bucks a year or something like that. Have you ever had anything like that? No. Yeah. I worked for a place where like, well, we'll give you courses, uh, which is all on banking, uh, or you can get a $1,200 budget. And so I just kind of worked that in moving to when I went into contracting and I worked for somebody as a contractor for a while. I still had like a $1,200 educational budget. Um, but that was because I was going to community colleges and I was going to like professional co- training courses for Citrix and, and uh, VMware and nothing, nothing like Linux Academy existed for me. Now today, something like Linux Academy would have changed my game. It would have, I could have taken on new clients and had the confidence to expand into different technologies fast. I know I could have stayed current and part of that game was staying certified, even if it was for a review so that way I'd get a raise or if it was for getting a client or it was just to make myself feel better and challenge myself. Having a resource like Linux Academy would have blown my face off. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there to support the show and blow your own face off. They got courseware on Amazon Web Services. They got the Red Hat certifications, Python, Ruby, Android development if you want to get into that biz. PHP, if you know what's good for you, don't tell Michael Dominic. And of course, the entire Linux stack. Nginx, Apache, Ruby on Rails, all of it's over at linuxacademy.com, and they have a community that's stacked full of Jupyter Broadcasting members because I've been talking about them for a while. In-depth resources are great. Listen to it in the shower or while you're on the go. Mix it in with your podcast playlist and advance your skill set. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. <laughs> Check out their live stream archives too. So, Google Hangouts. Pretty damn good. Hard to beat, but Used not open. A ton of people. No, not open. And uh, maybe a little creepy. And so a couple of things have been submitted into the show recently. One from producer Rotten Corpse and one from our very own Wes. And they both, in their own corners, are powerful open source Google Hangout and Skype killers. And there's been a lot of hoopla around Skype recently yes, on there Linux. Has. So let's start with the new contender, the one that most of us haven't heard about before. Hubble.in. You think I'm saying that right? Hubble.in. I think that's how you're saying it. And I want to start up. And I want to, let's, do a, let's do a meeting right now with our live chat room. So I'm going to go uh, LUP. Well, maybe we can just do slash LUP. So it's uh, H-U-B-L 
H-U-B-L dot I-N slash LUP. I'm going to start up a, a video conference right now, and we'll see it. And then we'll compare this to the other contender, the other open source contender, which has recently gotten a whole bunch of updates. Real live science right here on Linux. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to set my name, and look at this. I like this right off the bat. So you set your name here. This is one thing that struck me. But then look at this, Wes. Choose your video quality, low rate, medium rate, or awesome right rate. Right up front. I'm going to go awesome rate. That feels good, yeah. right? Okay, so now next. Okay, so now I've started. It's going to ask for uh, permission to use my webcam. I'll say yes. Go ahead, use my webcam. And uh, I could send email invites out to people uh, if I wanted to. Look at that. We already got, we already got somebody in there. That's what? great. Yeah. So there's Popey down there. That's awesome. That's really good. Uh, that's cool. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hello. Hi. 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 Look at that. <laughs> Popey. Oh, yeah, you're in the mumble room, so you have your mic muted. That's cool. And so you see it has uh, the little uh, thumbnails down here. Oh, we just had another another person join. So it's really easy for everybody to get in there. And uh, Fatty Fatso just got in there. There's Fatty Fatso. He's in as a Linux tux. He doesn't have to use video if he doesn't want. You can turn off your microphone or your webcam if you want to be yep. private for a moment, which is a kind of a cool feature. So I mean, really a needed one for any, like, enterprise-scale use. Here's what I like, though. I gave out, I gave out uh, one URL, hubble.in slash lup, and now we've got one, two, three, four, five, six people who've joined. Now, some of them just have like that. Some of them are we're getting a little playback. So, uh, but that is it is nice. You have the ability to start a chat. Uh, now, two more people just joined. Look at that. Hello, PTD. Hello, Patrick. So there we go. A couple more people just came in. Hi, guys. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, look, my microphone's in the shot. Um, that is really nice. Slick, easy to do. Way yeah. way quicker than Hangouts. And here's a nice thing. Look at this. It is using peer-to-peer web technology. It's not going through their servers. They're not recording it. It's all happening peer-to-peer. All right. I'm going to hang up on you guys, but thank you. That was a good experiment. So, okay. That's contender number one, Hubble. Contender number two, well-established name. Someone we know. With a varied history. Kind of trust. Used to use it on the desktop. But now they want you to use it on the web. Yes, friends, it's Jitsi. And uh, Rodden Corpse, you're the one that submitted Jitsi for a contender this week. Do you want to mention what it was about the new Jitsi updates that uh, got you all excited and wanted to plug it on the show? And by the way, before Rodden starts, it's meet.jit.si slash lup. I'll put the uh, hopefully I'll be able to put the full uh, URL in the show notes. But OK, go ahead, Rodden. You might be in transit right now. Okay, okay, very good. So here we go. So if you chat room, join me. You can see me here. I'm on the. Uh, have you tried out? Uh, have you tried out Jitsi, Wes? Yeah, I'm on there right now. Are you? Did you? Only- <laughs> There's Wes. That's Hello. me. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hello, Wes. Uh, so you can see it's doing the automatic switching. Uh, Hello, fellow Jitser. So it just calls him fellow Jitser. Uh, but I like how it's switching between them. And also, this one shows you the signal strength of individual people, which is kind of nice. And oh, look at this. I can. Uh, I can make uh, I can make people disappear, which is kind of nice. I can mute individual people. I can kick people out. I'm digging this. Open, close the contact list. Show or hide the. Fi- <gasps> we should switch to this on last. This just be Google Hangouts right there. One button, hide the uh, strips. Wow. That is really neat. Look at everybody showing up. It's handling this connection just fine. So both of them using WebRTC, and we're both using it. Yeah. This is uh, this is a hard call, but I think I want to give the nod to uh, Jitsi here for a couple of different reasons. Uh, a little I like bit, these notifications when someone else connects too. Yeah, I, I like the Jitsi notification system. Jitsi Meet also allows you to share documents with everybody uh, participating, share a Prezi session, and it allows you to share your screen. 
So I think it has Hubble Beat a little bit. Yeah. This new update allowing you to share your screen is really cool. So I, I'm, I would try it, but then I would just share my screen. Share my screen of sharing. You should try sharing your screen, Wes. You want to you try sharing your screen? And then I think I can click you to bring you up. So there's Wes right there. I like this. Oh, wow. Look at that. I can. Oh. When I hover over your, uh, your signals there, look at that, Wes. I get your exact bit rate that you're currently sending me right now. And the resolution. It says a little low resolution. But, of course, that's probably just your webcam. Yeah, probably. So there's your screen. LUP is the best. Yeah, because here's, uh, here's uh, Mr. Uh, – uh, let's see. What's it say his name is? Linfax or something like that. He's sending me a different resolution than you are. And uh, uh, whoever this guy is, he's sending me uh, – well, he's sending me the same resolution. Here, this guy looks like he's uh, – hello, fellow Jits there. I'm bringing you up on screen. He's sending me – no, 160 by 90. I'm not sure. I got to play – I got to see if I can get a high definition. What about me? What am I sending? What am I sending? I'm sending 320 by 180. So that would be the one thing is if I could get it up. Let's see. Settings. This is what it is. You can start without audio. That's kind of neat. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think that, I think these are both pretty good winners here. But uh, Sam Radio, you have 720p on yours? All right. Well, that's something. Huh. Hey, Citizen coming in with no video so he can still participate. I like that. This is pretty cool. I think Bit. I think if you need a Google Hangouts replacement that you want to be open source, that works in your web browser, I think I think you give it to meet.jit.si. We'll have a link in the show notes. I did have to install a Chrome extension to get the uh, screen sharing to work, but oh, you it did. installed very quickly. Yeah, it did. If you did it on air, yeah. Well, I mean, it was just like one b- hit add, and then so it was are up. you able to go? So can you bring your screen back? Oh, you turned your screen off. Oh, okay. Yep, no, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, we have somebody else. This is really cool. Oh, there's Popey. So what's Popey coming in at? Popey's coming in at 640 by 380 for some reason. And he's, yeah, I don't know why he's not higher resolution video. That seems to be the thing. Got to play with that. Yeah. But this is a A damn, more controlled trial would be interesting. You can lock the room down too so people can stop joining. You, you can uh, invite others to join. That is great. So there you go. Two open source Google Plus. Oh, are you back, Rodden? No, it's not Rod, it's me, oh, Daredevil. Oh. Daredevil, uh, go ahead. But I, I just say, just saying that uh, the another advantage that GT has over all of the other competitors is that it has the video bridge with the GT from the desktop. So if someone is on the regular GT, can talk to oh, you. Oh, so you could that. still use the desktop. Oh, that wow. is damn cool, dude. That is really nice. I really like some That's of the options. Something that they- that's something that they've been working on uh, to, to make it work. You know, um, we could use this. So when Popey talks, Popey could be on video. Yeah. That, so Popey, try talking in the mumble room while you're on Jitsi video. See if you can pull that off. That could be kind of cool. Yep, I can do that. Oh, look at that. That is so yeah. cool. <laughs> and it's almost synced <laughs> up, too. Look at that. This could be a cool yeah. way to get the actual faces of the Bumble Room right. on the stream if we wanted to. I mean, we have the video stream anyway. Yeah. yeah, that is really neat. I could I could route my microphone through this as well. You could, but oh, right. but I don't know. I think it's more uh, – because the nice thing is you could have some people on here. I guess I'd have to know when to switch it. I guess this could be used in place of Mumble, too, but I like the Mumble Room better mm-hmm. for this kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, very cool. So uh, we'll have links to both of those, uh, open source Google Hangout and Skype replacement. So if you've been bellyaching about Microsoft killing support for Skype. Uh, this might be my go-to replacement for yeah, family members, yeah. chats with friends. Yeah. Kitson, you had something you wanted to jump in before we move on? Yeah. Bef- um, actually, it's uh, something that I found. It's a different topic. 
Did you see this thing about a uh, Rust-written microkernel I did, OS? and they were throwing some shade on uh, Linux, if I recall, right? Yeah, this is really cool. It's <laughs> oh, called Redox. Yeah, yeah, and they were they were slamming Linux a bit in their announcement. But yeah, Redox, uh, a Rust-written microkernel open-source OS. Yeah. Yeah, I have heard of it. I just don't. It's, it's impressive. They've gotten a pretty good way. They've got a GUI up, and yeah, they say the whole thing weighs in at just twenty six megabytes for the ISO. Wow, <laughs> twenty six megabytes. Maybe I'll give that a spin this week. <laughs> you should, dude. Give it report back. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty good. Uh, all right, so uh, that's probably the end. I love this. I uh, wave goodbye, Popey. Wave goodbye, Popey. Oh, that beautiful, beautiful Popey. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thanks for testing the different uh, uh, HTML WebRTC-powered solutions. I'm hanging up on your face. It is nice to know that it's – you know we're all just connecting as peers and not – Thanks for using Jitsi Meet. Yeah, you're right. And you know what that's going to mean is hopefully uh, better connection speeds, right, and better latency and whatnot because you're not routing through a server. And the nice thing is, of course, since you're not routing through a server, nobody's recording your session. You could record your session. But nobody and else. And we recorded that session. We did. We did. That's an, that's an example of that. All right. So there's a lot coming up on future episodes of Linux Unplugged, especially as Linux Fest Northwest gets closer. Oh, but also as some major distros release, there's going to be a lot of stuff and a lot of opportunity for you to get your thoughts in on the show. So please do join us live. Go over to jblive.tv. We do the show on Tuesdays. You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that S converted to your local time zone. And then you join our virtual log via Mumble, which is an open source communications program. And you can get the server in our chat room, the information by doing bang mumble. It's kind of like our little like – that's like that's like the hardest part. That's the test to prove you gotta, you're worthy. You got to join the chat room. You got to do bang mumble and you got to install mumble. And then that's it. You just got to have a working mic. to blaster. That's yeah, probably a good idea. Uh, and it's our virtual log. You can hang out with us and share your thoughts. And as some big stuff is coming up, it's a great opportunity for you to get in there and take part of it. So we'd love to have you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. To get that converted to your local time zone. And a big thank you to our virtual lug for making it this week. Thanks to Wes for once again saving the show by supplying the beer. It's a close call I this week. I do what I can. The beer and the burger. You went yeah, above and beyond right. this week, man. That's pretty impressive. Well, that means Recal get this show out, you know. <laughs> That's right. split. Greasely, greased up with uh, <laughs> Five Guys Grease. That is gross. Uh, <laughs> it is. Follow the network at Jupiter Signal for uh, show announcements and live streams. At Chris Ellis for my stuff about Linux Fest Northwest. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com for feedback on this week's episode and topic suggestions. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Linux Unplugged, and we'll see you right back here next Tuesday. Why don't we kill a few minutes and talk about something? I I started to bring this up in Tech Talk, and I shut the conversation down because I actually wanted to talk about it here in Linux Unplugged. Whoa, saved it. I know it. So Android N has been out for certain devices. I don't think you've tried it yet, though. I Wes. haven't, no. no. but you could, right, on your Nexus 5? Yeah, maybe I should. Yeah. Uh, one, well, I don't know if you'll be able to try this on the Nexus 5, but one of the hidden features in Android N is multi-windowed mode.
so not just like side by side windows, but like full on broken up multi windowing desktop environment wow. with a bar down at the bottom, a system tray, uh, quick launch icons, awkward black around Chrome, desktop icons on the desktop. Android ends is potentially. I'm looking at this thinking this could be a Chrome OS. This could be a Chrome OS killer. Easily, yeah, it looks like it. Wow. Could it also be an Ubuntu desktop killer? Because you get a Linux-based OS, and the x86 project is even more so. You get a Linux-based OS. You get mainstream corporate applications like Microsoft Office, uh, Adobe Lightroom. You get an official Telegram, Evernote. You get Google Chrome, Netflix, Hulu, uh, all of that stuff on a desktop environment that could run on ARM or Intel. I mean, maybe if you're like, you know, so I was looking at the Stack Exchange. Did you see the Stack Exchange survey that came out recently? Yes, I did. And like the number one thing everybody's working on is web dev, right? That's like yep. the well, you could do web dev on this thing. Potentially. You know, you I may, suppose so, take yeah. this thing like take this thing down to like like Ange said in Tech Talk. Take this down to like Android Q. So this has been around for a few years. I'm not right. saying with N this happens, but Android Q, you have a really well flushed out multi-windowing system that you could download an ISO for and set up on a laptop or buy a Chromebook that actually runs this. Yeah, okay. I could see it. Yeah. I could I, see installing it on people's machines. I mean, I might – if it was flushed out, I might rather install this on my, like, a friend's machine than, say, Windows. What do you think about, uh, like uh, – Wimpy, what do you think about, like, like uh, more hardcore work cases, that, like production uh, development? Do you think something – do you think it's ever going to be possible on something like this? Um, my question to you is, if this is an Ubuntu desktop killer, can you produce a show on it? You know, I don't know about today. But uh, there are becoming some decent media production tools for Android. Like uh, there are um, Icecast mm-hmm. and um, live video streaming, RTMP and, and Twitch. You could do from Android devices. On iOS, there's full-fledged video editors. I have not looked on Android. Maybe. I don't think, I don't think today, but maybe one day. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, what, about, what about you, Wimpy? Could you do your... Could you do most of your daily driving on an Android device if it was multi-windowed on a powerful, considerably powerful hardware? So say you could pick your x86 box of choice. I don't need much power to do what I do. Um, but yes, um, I have used Android successfully to do the things I would need to do of a day. I could definitely see this on a tablet. Like if you had mm-hmm. a nice Bluetooth keyboard and a good, you know, like SSH program to get some work done and you have Chrome up on one half of the screen, terminal on the other. That'd probably work for a lot hmm. of remote stuff. Hmm.